friends, you are listening to Worst Show Ever. I'm your host, CJ Boyd. I am in Albuquerque, New Mexico. I'm here with Marisa DeMarco. Hi, Marisa. Hi. Um, we are in her studio. This like a art studio. It's a really cool room, and there's like little things everywhere. And I've been asking about the things, and she's up to some of her mad genius. Uh, uh, devices yes Um, like a laboratory yeah it's kind of like that but with more with more earrings maybe than than the typical laboratory yeah we have on the table like a hundred or so cheap hoop earrings that I'm turning into a big circuit and just somehow that sentence I feel like says a lot about who you like who, <laughs> I feel like man that's like Marisa in a, in a nutshell she's like hoop earrings and in a circuit suit. yeah <laughs> that's awesome hoop earrings and a circuit should be the title of some kind of album or something yeah. yeah fuck yes I've known Marisa for quite a long time I was actually it's funny it's earlier today I met up with Eliza mm-hmm. and we were sort of talking about how sometimes like you have an you go through a town you have a certain impression of the town and how that can change if you meet the right people or like depending on who you know there. And I had always come to Albuquerque, didn't know anybody and always had a pretty terrible time. <laughs> I think I told you this. Maybe. No, we, I don't know that. Well, I remember we, we met in, was it Columbus, Missouri? I yeah, think? we met in Missouri when and, we were both on tour. Yeah, you were on tour with Big Watt, mm-hmm. which was a group at that point. Um, Big Watt's Marisa's project but at that point it was like a four piece for that tour no i mean big lot is always with me and just for the purposes of that tour i had a band backing me up that's what i mean yeah 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 Yeah, i mean it's your project Mm -hmm. but you had for that tour you had a had a ensemble yeah yeah um and yeah i think we we hit it off and then you're like you should come to albuquerque and i was like yeah i'd love to come to albuquerque yeah play with somebody I actually like. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Who like knows what they're doing, booking shows. Um and yeah, now I love our Albuquerque. I come through at least once a year and always I'm stoked. Um uh, we're playing a show tomorrow together. Mm-hmm. Reese's um project Big Hen, another band she's in and uh I'm stoked playing at the Tanix, which I love. Yeah, so Big Hen is basically is big a lot with Henry. Yeah. So Henry who also plays drums Chichara, uh, another band that I'm always repping on this show. Uh, <laughs> it's it's going to be, I'm stoked. Yeah. Um, so the other thing I'll just say as, as context is that you've toured a fair amount. Like, you've done a handful of Yeah, I've done tours. some touring. I mean, not any, of course not anywhere near as much as, <laughs> sure, as yeah. you've done. Uh, but whenever I can, I try to go out for a few weeks and... Uh, I love touring. Yeah. I and I think that's the thing is I think I like it more than most of the musicians I play with. Sure. So I always have to kind of go out with different incarnations because right. I like doing it more. more frequently and for longer lengths of time. Yeah. Than I think your average bear does. I remember so. this with when uh, when I toured with you with Chichara mm-hmm. that Monica's like willing to tour but not super stoked about tour. I mean, she had a nice time, but it was definitely like there were limits. Like she didn't want to do that for a long time. But yeah, well, she, and it comes from experience. It comes totally. from having she played bass at, or keyboards and bass for many months. Uh, for the Red Elvises, like as a hired yeah. gun for the Red Elvises, yeah. and, and I just think going out that long yeah. for somebody who has created such a beautiful like 
home space for herself and yeah. who has so many animals. Like my yeah. sister has t- like a menagerie at her house. It's yeah. kind of a joke. And <laughs> I mean, she really has a beautiful house and has always kind of been a person who makes a beautiful environment for herself. Yeah. So, you know, hitting the road and being in a van with your bandmates, smelly socks and (laughs) eating garbage food is like (laughs) you know it's funny for a minute and then she's kind of done so but she always likes playing music i mean it's definitely never about like the shows themselves i don't think or the you know or what do you mean that it's more the the shows are fine it's just that being away from that long is not being away being in a in a nasty little van, being you know (laughs) not that we're terribly nasty people but but you know as compared to your nice home is yeah. You saying that actually reminds me that there was the night we played in, which I I don't know, I won't say more if this is the show that you're going to talk about. Are you talking about a show that, that I was at? I was thinking about that one, but I was actually thinking that would be a better story to tell with some of my bandmates, because okay. I think I missed actually the big... Like the worst parts of it? Yeah. Well, I won't go into the whole we thing, can, I mean, We can hash it out real quick if you want, but I yeah. just remember, uh, the the short of it is... That uh, the show the show was not good. Um, a, a guy that I know booked the show, and he's a poet, and he doesn't know about band stuff. Like he doesn't, he didn't understand. I think like legit didn't get that booking. Like I think it was like four poets and maybe like five bands or some ridiculous amount. It was like a variety show or something. Yeah, yeah. But it was like he only gave. He didn't leave any time for changeover. Yeah, that's always a mess. And then all the sets were also like 20 minutes. So yeah. it was insane. And then some like pretty gross, like inappropriate stuff happened at the show too, where like some of the bands uh, were just like, oh fuck, I don't even want to be here mm-hmm. if that's happening. And so we ended up playing a house show that night after that show. And I the, the thought really I just had was you were saying garbage food and I was remembering us all sitting like on our tailgates and like stuff in a Taco Bell parking lot with I can't remember that other band it was like Velvet something Oh what what was the name of that band? Yes Orchid Velvet Mademoiselle or Velvet Orchid Orchid, Mademoiselle Vom Vom was the acronym Yeah, Yeah 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 and like they were the other band that was like pretty put off by some of the inappropriate shit that was going on at that show and then they, they're the ones who hooked up the house show as like an alternative. Yeah. So and I'll just, I'll say this story briefly. Sure. So, but it is not the story it's that not I had in mind. But it's a um, story. But yeah, we, so we, Chichara, which is the other band that I'm in, uh, was on tour with you. Yeah. And we were playing this show and there were some things like, you know, with no, no set time changeovers and whatever. But I mean, you know, that's not, we've done that. We've yeah. all been there yeah. with those kind of issues. I think what happened that so I was in the back. We had already put our amps on stage, trying to prepare for the insanity yeah. of setting up really, 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 really fast. Yeah. And I was in the back, trying to like organize my pedal board, and it was like a restaurant or something. So it was kind of like the back, yeah. like restaurant area. It's like a cafe. Yeah. I yeah. Think it was a restaurant. Yeah. And uh, I was trying to put my pedals on the pedal board and people who were in other bands started coming into the back all really upset, yeah. uh, including my own bandmates. And I guess what happened is that one of the performers had pulled out what turned out to be a fake gun on stage. But this right. was during a time when 
there were so, I mean, there's still a ton of shootings, like public shootings. And so it like really set everybody on edge and he was talking about like suicide. Yeah. And then he pointed at his face, and then it like squirted blood all over, pretend blood all over his face. Yeah. This is the story that I heard. I That's, don't know because I'm in the back. I saw it. That's all right. That's yeah. totally right. I mean, I didn't for a second think that he had a real gun. I don't think the gun looked real or anything like that. It was more like if you've dealt with suicide at all or had friends kill themselves, this was like very triggering. And I think that I don't know if. Morrow was one of the people, but definitely some of the folks from Velvet Orchid, Mademoiselle, it seemed like triggering like real, real shit for them. Yeah. And Um, I won't speak for Henry, but I think from where he was standing, I don't think he had a great view and he couldn't tell that it was pretend. So I think like, depending on how far away you were in the room or depending on what you were looking at, you maybe thought this was about to be something else because of the totally. tenor of the conversation around it, right? I get that. I also know the guy. Yeah. Like, I had booked shows with him before. So when that happened, I definitely thought this was in bad taste. This was a bad choice that he made, but I didn't think he's about to like shoot people. Which Yeah. Which, I think Henry know, was, was like yeah, told he me later that he was like <laughs> Do I have to tackle someone right now? Like, she was like, <laughs> oh my God, like, yeah. what's happening? So people start coming back really, really upset. I mean, yeah. like, some people are crying, some people. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, members of my band, I don't think at that point were cheerful, but they were like, man, we're done. Like, we're just not into this gig. And they have, they have never, and I have never pulled out of a gig. I don't think I've ever canceled a gig, even when it looked like it yeah. was going to be a train wreck, because you never know how things are going to shake out. And right. even in this story, things shake out kind yeah. of nicely in the end. But, um, you know, I mean, you just kind of see it through usually and see how it goes and see if there's anything of value to salvage the conversation. I would say the story of this one is the most valuable thing that comes out of it. But um, <laughs> yeah. So we start, like, pulling our amps up. My sister, Monica, starts. we start pulling amps off the stage area it wasn't like a stage I think no, it was just, just like, like the floor the, the corner room. and as yeah. I think it was my amp as she's rolling my amp out it falls and it looks like it's gonna hit a lady and Monica stuck her foot out to catch oh, it and it this. smashed her foot oh, like shit. it smashed her foot to where it swelled up really big and she couldn't walk and Henry like carried her yeah from that terrible position like yeah. outside so now we have like serious <laughs> injury going on too yeah. and so i'm just getting mad now because i'm like what is this gig like <laughs> somebody's hurt somebody had a gun like this is stupid you know yeah. and uh and the guy who booked the show came out and confronted like i think saw my face and decided not to talk to me at all which is probably <laughs> smart but so he like you know, it went in a semicircle around me and then went to Maro and was demanding to know why we were leaving. And Maro was oh. trying to, like, explain it to him. And then I think at this point she had become really upset. And I wouldn't say that she was sad. I think she was just, like, shocked and kind of angry. And so she started crying. So now I have Maro is crying. Henry's dragging the whole band's gear out of the venue. Monica's foot is hurt. Like, it just, I was like, this is terrible. Yeah. Uh, and the other band that we were playing with was like, we don't want to play anymore either. And I was like, well, let's just go play somewhere else. Like, do you guys have a friend or something right. who, like, has a house? And we just, we'll go party over there. We'll set up our yeah. stuff. We can play anywhere. Like, they had brought that PA to that show, too. So I was like, 
you know, get your PA. Let's, like, let's go. That's <laughs> the bounce. whole show, right? Um, and so I can't remember what ended up happening with the rest of that show because at that point we're just I'm like looking for ibuprofen and ice for my sister and we're yeah. just loading out whatever. We ended up going to somebody's house and playing a show and it was hot and sweaty and full of people which is some of my favorite kind of shows and we made friends with that Velvet Orchid band and then we all and as you said we all went to Taco Bell (laughs) made garbage food then we ate some garbage food in a parking lot and entertained each other for a couple hours and that's uh that's how it goes sometimes it's not the best but uh there was a show in the end and it was pretty fun yeah well what was weird too though I don't know if you remember I still played Mm. and I was on the fence because I like totally understood why other people wanted to be not be there mm-hmm. um, I wasn't personally triggered I thought it was a bad call I was definitely like Dennis you should, not, <laughs> you should not have done that, that yeah, was, yeah, but like yeah. I've known him for a while and he's like he's not he's like a well-meaning person who makes bad choices yeah. you know what I mean and so I was like yeah that was a bad idea but um, I still knew that we were getting paid there was like some guarantee, and I felt like, well, if I don't pick, if I, I don't know what the other house show is going to be, but we're on tour, like the both of us, and mm. I was like, if I pull out, then we probably are not getting paid. Whereas, like, maybe if I still play, then we are getting paid. And I think it was like $75 or something. I can't remember. But um, I definitely was torn and feeling like, should I play? Should I not play? Is it like a solidarity thing to not play? Or. Still, if I can play and get the money, then that helps us both out, you know. Um, but also, uh, Velvet Orchid Mademoiselle played, mm. which that was, I was, because they, they seemed like they were the most offended by it. And then I thought they were not going to play, but then they did play because they had family there. I remember that. So one of the women said was that they had like family that had come out to the show. So they were like, well, I think they were going to maybe not play, but then they were like, well, our family's here. Like, we'll still play for our family. Yeah, I mean, there's always so many considerations. I think for me at some point, and this is more like a recent development and something that's maybe gotten even stronger for me since then. Yeah. But I just, like, I have become, because we've been out this long time, we perform music all the time, and it's often for not very much money or nowhere near as much money as it really should be. Uh, even if you pack the house, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's always a raw deal. But I think I've been thinking a ton about, like, what what is my work in service of and how is it being used? Like, what messages are being Mm. sent up around around my work that maybe I don't even intend, Right. right? Like, am I inviting my audience into problematic spaces? Right. Am I, because we, you know, we hustle, we promote that we're coming through, we do interview, you know, you do whatever you have to do, and you're inviting your friends and your family and people you care about to attend a thing, and to me, I just have really started to question, like, where am I bringing people? Like, what part, I mean, I don't think it's enough anymore to be like, oh, I'm a participant in someone else's party, and their ideas went are awry or they support a perspective that I don't believe in it's not enough anymore for me it like all has to really come together and I just want to fight for things to be the the way I believe that they should be you know like which is non-discriminatory atmospheres 
um, non-predatory atmospheres. Um, It shouldn't be that you have to endure uh, any kind of bigotry or racism or transphobia or homophobia to, like, come see me play. Like, I just can't, and I can't do it anymore. You know what I mean? Like, and it's hard because there's not that many places to begin with. So it really becomes incumbent on me to now try to not only transform existing spaces, but try to come up with new spaces, new environments, new nights, new, new things that makes me responsible for a lot more of the show. But I'm just kind of down because I can't hang anymore. Yeah. Do you feel that way about touring in addition to local shows? Touring is so much harder because you just say. don't know yeah. what you're walking into. This is something I was talking to Eliza about where it just like... But you, I don't know if I walked up. into a bar and it was like some skinhead bar or something, oh, I'd yeah. walk right back out for sure Definitely. and be like, and put on my page, like, I'm not playing there. That yeah. place is gross. You guys shouldn't go. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> like, Did you hear, there was like a couple years ago, do you know that band Desarc? I don't know them. They're awesome. They're uh, originally from Arkansas, or the, the main singer, uh, Amy, is from Arkansas, but they live in... Uh, they're in Chapel Hill or Durham, someplace mm-hmm. in North Carolina, and they were playing someplace in Arkansas. Oh, it was Valley of the Vapors. It was that festival mm-hmm. uh, that's like right after or right before South by. I can't remember. It's probably happening right now. I don't know. Um, but yeah, they showed up and they were supposed to play this bar, and it was like a bar that hadn't traditionally been part of the festival, but it was like yeah. a new venue. There's a Confederate flag up. Oh like, yeah, over the stage. And they're like, fuck this yeah, shit. And they, they like took a picture and were like, we're not playing Valley of the Vapors. This is horseshit. We're not coming in. It's like as like a queer band, like yeah, traveling yeah. with like people of color. Like we're not, we're not nah, fuck off. Yeah. And so, and like the, there were a bunch of people. It was just like a funny, it was just such a funny thing. I mean, I was a hundred percent with them on that, but it was funny that like, there were people apologizing, like people who were not defending the bar were like, yeah, those dudes are racist, but don't shit on the festival. Like as if, mm. like the, because the people, there were dudes from the festival who had come there, saw it and said, Hey, can you take that down for the, for like, for the festival? And they had said, yeah. And so there were people that thought that the festival, like promoters had done enough by just asking them to take it down right and that's where amy was like uh no <laughs> i don't want to play in a fucking confederate bar dude i don't, right. I don't want you to just take the, the flag coming down take the flag down the for yeah. like one day mm-hmm. in a room that is normally fine with that being here fuck off i don't yeah. want that shit so yeah uh that just reminded me that but but yeah i mean obviously well not maybe not obviously but i if i know that a place is garbage or whatever that the people run it are assholes and that like bigots in any way, then I'm not going to fuck with it. But I was just saying to Eliza today about like times where like you show up, you play a show and then you hear from some friend like, Oh yeah. Like the guy that runs that place, like sexually assaulted, like three of his employees. Yeah. Like, oh fuck. I didn't know yeah. that. <laughs> you know? Or yeah. Or you play a show and something seems weird, and then later you figure out why it is, you <laughs> right. know, and it was yeah. some horrible thing, you know. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, you know, I think overall, like, what this kind of speaks to, and I'm sure you see more of it on the road, 
or maybe not, but is that, you know, I mean, these, all of these spaces that were, I always grew up thinking were going to be like these, like, free forward thinking, like, you know, radical, like, badass, like, I don't know, like, I just grew up thinking that this was all going to be something else, and I've been so disappointed over the course of my life to discover that it is kind of more of the same. It, like, replicates the same problems that exist elsewhere in society. And so in order to shift it, you have to shift the whole damn thing. It's not just about making a band that says certain things, that says the things that you believe in or that represents yourself in some way. It's not just about that. It's about changing everything from the start to finish. And that is intense. It's intense. It almost seems like... The longer I do this, the more work there appears to be in front of me to do on it. I think that makes sense, though. I agree. I totally agree. And, like, at my core, I'm just a musician. (laughs) (laughs) But you're not, though, right? Like, you're a fucking warrior, too. Like, I I think that, I mean, your your day job is investigative reporter. Is that that your title? Or I don't know. Yeah, I'm a reporter. Yeah. I'm a full-time news reporter. But, I mean, you do stories on, I mean, you are telling me before about doing a, like, deaths of sex workers mm-hmm. around here like you do real real shit that's not just music yeah. right i mean i i have a lot of respect for that so i'm just saying even for me who like i only currently like earn a living playing music i feel like my my fight in this is definitely a lot more than music it's not like you can't just i mean how do i say it that's that whole idea of like music simply for music's sake is like such a place of privilege it's such a like white male cis straight kind of position to Mm -hmm. be in and not that it's only those folks who feel that way but I feel like you know for you to say well I I don't know I don't care about politics I just I just want to play music like good luck with that because that just means you're gonna like you're saying like replicate all the shitty oppressive patterns and behaviors that I mean that that our whole society is based on. So, so. And, fur- and further, and further, <laughs> if you like, if you are at music long enough, and you realize the like the mind changing power of music, the like yeah. message delivery system that it is, the like, like I have seen performances that I felt like you know tore a hole in the universe right then yeah. and made it a different. Place and that sounds I don't know cheesy or something, nice. but like yeah. like worlds can shift, rooms can be shifted right. into other worlds through music. So when you realize this potential yeah. power that you wield as a performing musician, uh, then not everybody does it. Obviously, it's not, it's not a constant, <laughs> it's not a constant thing. But once you realize that it can happen that way, you also realize how nasty it is when music is getting abused when. Right music is being held up in services of messages that are dangerous like because it's so persuasive because it is so transformative right and so when it's exporting bad ideas it's almost like more dangerous than any other idea delivery system that we have in the moments you know yeah totally um i mean the extreme of that or wait did i cut you off no the extreme of that, I mean, obviously there's like neo-Nazi bands and there's shit like that. Yeah. It's very deliberate. But I think on a more subtle level, and this might be, this might speak to what you're saying as far as like feeling like the longer you're in it, the more work there is to do. 
there's lots of bands and promoters and venues that are doing that are sending shitty messages that are nowhere as intentional as like a neo-nazi band or mm-hmm. or something right that are just by booking a festival that's 90 percent male or yeah. like or or just like having a space that's like in the middle of a black neighborhood and only white kids come to that that space like there's things that you're doing where you're kind of saying this is okay even if it's not what you were trying to do yeah but it still matters like that's it's what's the the mantra now like i mean impact impact is not the same as intention or there's some more smooth way that I've heard that phrase but you know there's a difference between your impact and your intention and it's important to realize those are not the same yeah and you know we throw we throw Gata Sivata's Fest here in Albuquerque and we've been doing it for years and I swear every year you know I just see something that we could be doing better or someone points out to me something a mistake I've made or something that we could be doing better and uh, that's good. I mean, you yeah. just have to get to a place where you're like, yeah, like it's never, it's you never get it perfect. You just gotta keep chipping away at looking yeah. at all the, all the ripple effects of the thing you're doing right. and how to. I mean, cause I, I mean, obviously you can't control everything, but you can, you can do your best. You can control what you can control. You can walk into a bar with a Confederate flag and be like, no thanks on this for our festival, like. Yeah we'll do it in the lot next door or not next door, but we'll do it. We'll do it outside or something instead of trying to do this space, you know? Um, and you just have to find ways around things that are problematic institutions essentially, you know? So, and that's, you know, that should not be that much trouble for the creative problem solvers that most musicians are all the time. (laughs) Anyway. But I mean, and in a way, this is where I say again, it's like so much more than music, but, um, I was having this argument today with somebody about, we were just talking about um, presidential hopefuls. <laughs> and, you know, I think I'm one of those people that I voted for Hillary in the general. I voted for Bernie in the primary. And, you know, this early on, I'm all about, like, bring it on. I want to see every anybody who wants to run, fucking run. And let's, let's, let's pick them apart. Let's yeah. see what they've got good and bad. And we'll make our decisions. I'm not like tied to anybody at this point. I don't think I need to be, but um, a friend who's like really, really into Tulsi Gabbard was, was sort of like, "But what about Tulsi Gabbard?" And we were talking a little bit, and there were things that I was like, "Look, I'm not saying she's the worst. She's definitely not the worst. I think there's great stuff about her, but there's some stuff that is just kind of a deal breaker for me." Mm-hmm. Um, and he was sort of like comparing her he was like well she came out of you know in the the, one of the big ones is just like the homophobia Mm -hmm. and like she's tried to turn that around in the Mm -hmm. last few years and for me it feels disingenuine it feels like a political like one of those things like oh you're going to be in the democratic party and that homophobia doesn't fly anymore so i guess i'll shut up about that yeah it's kind of how it feels to me but you know he was saying well she came out in favor of gay rights before Clinton or Obama and I was like yeah we can do better than that though can't yeah, we yeah right <laughs> like, and that's what like there's gotta be somebody <laughs> I know like we could probably get somebody who wasn't like a bigot as of a few years ago yeah. who just doesn't say it in public anymore yeah uh, and I guess my point is that what I what I ended up saying to him was like if you're committed to the idea of being a progressive that means getting better that means 
progress. That means, like, Obama was was definitely the best president that I've experienced in my lifetime. And we can do better. Mm -hmm. Just because, you know, like, we can keep trying to be better than we were. Mm -hmm. And, like, Obama is the first president that actually came out in favor of gay rights in any significant way. He didn't start that way. And to me, that's still a fault. That's still yeah. that's still him being slow on the uptake, you know. Yeah. And, yeah. and I want I want better if we can get it, you know. If if it comes down to it, and Tulsi Gabbard or Kamala Harris gets the um, nomination, I'm gonna vote for him. But you know, right now when it's still wide open, like, it's still February. It's still February. Yeah. <laughs> we're we're I don't long know ways when out. This is coming out, but yeah. Yeah, I don't know when this is coming out either. But um, it's a long ways out, and mm-hmm. let's let's dream big. Let's let's. Fucking go all in, you know. Set the see, bar high. Let's see what yeah. we can do, you know. Who knows? I yeah, think yeah. that whatever ends up happening with Bernie, um, and just for context, Bernie just announced like yesterday that he's running. Um, there's no question that last the last time he moved the whole conversation to the left for like that there's stuff that like if now if you're gonna talk about it, you better you better come with it because he's not gonna let you off with some like totally corporate you know, Wall Street Democrat bullshit. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think your point, though, of what you're talking about, like, relates back to this idea of, like, let's not settle. Let's not... I don't mean to keep picking on this festival, but, like, let's not settle for asking him to take the flag down. Like, let's not settle for, uh, you know, kind of knowing that the bartenders here say gross things to the patrons yeah. and right. and you know what I mean like let's not settle for that and I think it's different now you know I um I started playing music in bars when I was a teenager like a million years ago and I'll go play and I was the only girl in the band and I was sometimes the only girl on stage all night most of the time and I was sometimes the only girl in the room like yeah. you know and it like never mind trying to even be like hey everybody where's all the other femmes and women like you know uh even saying a thing like that would have gotten you like barred from playing (laughs) these stupid venues you know and now i'm surrounded by a lot of cool people organizers in albuquerque who are uh younger than me who are fierce as hell and who don't take any shit and who are not quiet when things are bullshit and uh, it's so inspiring and great and I learned so much from them and you know yeah so it's cool and I'm sure that inspiration goes both ways right because you you're one of those people that like you're out there doing your shit and whether or not you mean to or not some of those kids probably saw you on a stage and was like, "Whoa, she rules! I'm gonna, I'm playing a band. Fuck, you know why not?" And yeah, there's... at some point, I definitely started meaning to. Like, I started right, like right. trying to create events that totally. brought other people and in. Know, you know, for sure. Yeah, and obviously, like Gata Sivatas, the the festival that you started and that you that you put on is is like very intentional in that respect of like having a place for like experimental, awesome, weird music that's all female like that's what's up but I mean I'm just saying for people in general that's what I mean is one of those things where even when you're not intending to if you have a bill that's all men whether you mean to or not yeah. you're saying to the people in the audience that the, that the role of the performer is for men and that the role of listener is for women or whatever like it's you're still you're sending a message and just having just being aware of that and then and then fixing that 
It does a lot. I mean, I've played some shows. Um, this is it's slightly different, but a similar version of it where I play. Um, there's this town, uh, Columbus, Indiana, that has like a super young like high school scene, mm-hmm. and it's awesome. And there's this one guy. His name's Ian Cohen. He's a beautiful man, who's like his kid. His son is a touring musician and like put stuff out on I think Sergeant House, and he just wants to like foster the the kids in that town to have like a place and so he kind of like he does like that perfect balance of like just enough of being the the guy to help the the adult to kind of get things organized but then really giving it to the kids and letting them do their own thing and i have like there was maybe not this year but last year when i played there there was this cellist this girl's probably like 16 or 17 who had just never seen anyone play like i was playing upright bass yeah in this basement in this show space and she had never really seen any like concert instruments played Mm. in a non you know concert hall setting and she was like whoa I could maybe I could do you know like like, I was like fuck yeah you can and I'm like you should listen to Bonfire Madigan and uh, Zoe Keating and Rasputina and I'm telling her all these like Mm -hmm. weirdo cello bands you know yeah And, and she's like writing them down and I'm just like who knows you know maybe I'll go through there next year and she'll be playing, you know. Actually, yeah, that's the thing. That's what I love. It's like you never know. You just yeah. try to like put it out there and then somebody will take it and hopefully run with it. Yeah, and Gatos is such, I mean, Gatos supports uh, cis and transgender women and emphasizes women of color and people of color and non-binary folks. So yeah. it's a pretty diverse festival. And yeah. we get, I don't know, we do like 40 performers or something in three nights and um or 30 and 2, like, depending on the year. Yeah. And so it, it gets to this point where I'm like, I don't even know sometimes how the people who put shows together manage to find all white guy bands. Like, <laughs> right. I'm like, you, yeah. I almost feel like you had to, like, make that the mission because yeah. the demographics of this town are such, right. and the demographics of our performing population are such that there's, like, I don't know if I can even think of those bands until I run into that bill. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh, interesting. (laughs) I I think that's totally legit. But wouldn't you also say, I mean, I think we've talked about this before, that in forming, in like creating a space like this, you've also formed some, I mean, there's people who've kind of like started performing because of this. Yeah, so I... Which is what's up. Like, that's awesome. Yeah, I did some interviews with like a whole bunch of people in this region who do those kind of festivals with those different different kinds of specific missions in mind, right? Yeah. And I think the commonality that I found across all the folks that I talked to is that uh, you make these events, these like yearly recurring events with these kind of missions, yeah. and they become outposts that are kind of generative. Yeah. So just the event itself, like people attend one year and they're like, I'm so playing this next year. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then they spend the whole year yeah. like, you know, dreaming about it, making totally. their thing and, and pushing themselves and then they apply and then they do their first set next year, right. you know? And then so. from there, who knows, right? Like, mm-hmm. and then maybe it starts with that and then they realize like oh I don't have to just wait once a year to do this if I enjoy doing it I yeah. can do it you know all the time and go on tour or they meet someone at the show and decide to start a band right. like that's happened yeah. at, at got those too like a lot of people just yeah. even met in the audience and were like right. let's totally start a band you know and that's the thing I think there's something so powerful about seeing yourself in 
whoever's on stage and saying like, oh, I guess I could do that. Mm-hmm. If that's what you want to do, obviously. That's not yeah. for everybody. But that goes for really any any industry, right? Like it sh- mm-hmm. you shouldn't be all male doctors or all male judges or all male, <laughs> yeah. you know, all white uh, Congress people. Congress yeah. folks, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so worst show ever, CJ. I came with a really <laughs> simple. We've had a broad conversation. Did you want to talk about your worst show ever? I can. Oh yeah, that's <laughs> that's what we came here to do. It's a simple one too. I feel okay. like we've had such like a big, complicated conversation sure. about all the ways that shows can suck yeah. and life can suck. <laughs> Just the world. Just, <laughs> Just how and why things can suck. Yeah. Um, but this, so this is a really straightforward one, or maybe not, but I'm going to try to tell it in a straightforward way. Okay. I built a glove oh, that I you wear on your glove. hand. Yeah. Uh, that um, one of the fingertips uh, reads cassette tapes. Yeah. Uh, I've built like a lot of different gloves. I just realized I was saying, oh, I know this glove. And then I was like, oh, wait, you've got many gloves. <laughs> this is a different glove. <laughs> I'm thinking of a different glove. Yeah. Yeah. And what I do with it in my kitchen is where it's just my practice space usually uh is you know i i pull the cassette tape through and then tape the cassette tape to the mic stand and then have a fan under the mic stand that blows all the tapes up so it makes these kind of big crazy like blowing tape wall (laughs) okay and it like glitters and beckons and you know whatever that's what I like about it yeah and uh and so I was playing this festival thrown by one of my mentors maybe my only mentor potentially Manny Rettinger who's at um UNM and he's just like the audio engineer at UNM he's the only guy in town who forever was interested in electronics and experimental music and Uh, has been working on that for decades and it's just great so he decided to throw this festival and so like 300 people were there like it was in this great big concert hall and it's a huge show Yeah. and like I had set everything up the night before pulled it off stage without breaking it down you know had everything nice ready to go and then it's my turn to perform in front of these like kind of a lot of people in the audience are kind of old guard like experimental electronic folks and musicians from around here yeah and uh you know i'm not that young but i seemed kind of like young and i like drag my my stuff and i plug it in and i just cannot get it going like i can't Uh. like it won't produce sound i still don't freaking know why and so after like 10 minutes of 300 people watching me struggle which i don't know is yeah. like the most like you know the blood like drains from your face and you're just like oh, hating yeah hating all seconds and maybe it wasn't 10 minutes and it felt i don't actually know it's how much time it was yeah. it was infinity time <laughs> it was infinity torture time i like dragged my back my board off stage and all these people are like trying to help me figure out what's wrong and we never did figure it out, but I got it working in a separate speaker backstage. And so the audience is still waiting, like, yeah. as we're back there, like, messy around. We drag everything out. We get a new speaker on stage. I go to do it again. It still doesn't start. Shit. Something's now wrong with the speaker. Another musician comes out, kicks the speaker on, and I start doing the thing. And I just, I'm so rattled. Like, if you've ever just had, like, massive embarrassing tech failure like right before you play it is so hard to like like shake it 
you yeah. know, but yeah. I, like in my mind, I'm like, okay, you just ha- now you have to perform, you like have to radically switch into like good performer mode and yeah. try to like produce what it is you came here to produce without imagining that everybody here thinks you're a moron, right? <laughs> Who doesn't right. know how to work your own shit you built, and right. like you know, that's what's going through my mind. I'm sure right. everybody was having much kinder thoughts than that you know yeah. <laughs> like because other musicians aren't really like that to each other in my experience we're not like no. all watching we're like all wanting each other to succeed not to like fail publicly you know also because i mean already if you show up with stuff like gear that you built i already put you in a you know like echelon that's different than like me, <laughs> me just like i play a bass guitar and i play you know like i i don't know how to fix it i certainly wouldn't know how to build it uh, I can play it, and that's yeah. that's where that ends. And like, generally, if if I have a pedal that's not working, I'm like, well, I guess I don't use that pedal anymore. I'm gonna see if I can take it to somebody at some point. But that's about it. But so the tech side, I think, is different when you're when you're building the tech, and it's not working. It's still like, yeah, you built it though. <laughs> it's... But it almost feels like hubris in some way because okay. it's like. What the shit just can't come out of your guitar and make something out? What's this crazy? <laughs> like they don't know what's about to happen. Right, they just right. see me in this ugly glove because it's not a beautiful looking thing. It's okay. an interesting sounding thing. It yeah. just looks crazy. Yeah. And and I can't make it work. And you know, I mean, at some point, I'm sure some people are like, "Why don't you just sing us a song?" You know? <laughs> <laughs> I kind of love the idea of somebody be like, somebody give that girl a guitar. I mean, like, can she just play ukulele or something? Why don't you just do it regular? God. Um, not that, I mean, which is not to say that playing a guitar is a regular thing, but you know what I mean. No, like, that's why why don't funny. you just it's use like... a conventional instrument that's right. meant to make sound, right? Um, so eventually, though, I do get it up and running, and like, Something weird happened with my fan that's supposed to blo- like make this glorious billowing sheet of beautiful tapes. Yeah. Uh, and it, it basically doesn't produce that. It just kind of produces one really long, very tall figure eight of okay. tape, of thin tape. And I mean, I'm like, I'm horrified. Like, <laughs> this is like the showcase that someone I really respect put together and there's so many people there yeah. and they had all been performing brilliantly yeah. and I have this ugly thing I made and now I have a figure <laughs> eight and I don't even have any personal symbology attached to figure eight and I'm just performing under a giant eight and like okay. I don't know the whole thing is just like going sideways and I finish and I walk out back into the green room and just like I remember just like throwing my shoes across the room because I was holding them because I have to use my feet for a lot of stuff. So I was yeah. holding my shoes. I just threw them and I was like, ah, like so frustrated. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's my that's my bad oh, my bad show. I mean, people are nice about it and people still tell me that they like that show and I think that watching me struggle so hard to produce even that little bit of thing that I ended up producing ended up really garnering me a lot of like sympathy or something like I don't know I think when I finally got it off the ground people yeah. felt a lot of relief and were like all right, all right you know? here we go yeah so people rem- really remember that show yeah. and it is honestly like one of the not I can you know when people are telling you 
oh, remember that show? And you're like, oh, I so do. It's just <laughs> not at all the same way you remember it. <laughs> like, right. Like, and that's like you said, like for you, it seemed like an infinity of torture time. But, mm-hmm. you know, it might not have been that long for people who are just like there to see shows and there's some time in between. And they're like, okay, she's still working out. Some She's having technical difficulties. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. But I guess well, it was like theater seating. It's like hall seating, yeah, where everybody's in a chair looking at you. Right. You know what I mean? No. And they're all expected to be silent. Totally. Like they're not talking amongst themselves. I'm they're saying, not eating and drinking. If I was in your place, I'd be also mortified. And if I was in their place, I'd probably be like, "I'm sure it'll be on in a minute." You know? <laughs> yeah. like, like we're here, we're seeing music. That's what we're doing today. Yeah. You know, I mean, it kind of goes back to other stuff we've talked about where. There's a speech or kind of a talk that I heard once by, um, do you know Charlie Kaufman? He's like a uh, screenwriter, director. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, He gave this talk at BAFTA that is kind of like the closest thing I've ever heard to like something that I would hold up as like my own manifesto when it comes to Hmm. creativity or like putting things into the world. And there's just one part where he says... You know, if you're going to make something and it doesn't risk anything, like, you can do that. But just know that, like, you have, you kind of haven't really entered the creative process. Like, you know, like, like if you're going to do something, there should be something at risk. Like, for it to be good, there has to be some risk that you're Mm -hmm. taking. And, yeah, if you don't want to do that, you know, you can, you can start a cover band and, and do, like, Creedence Clearwater you know, <laughs> you can do you can do credence uh, covers or whatever. Yeah, and yeah, that's a pleasant thing that some people will enjoy. But you know, that's that's its own thing, and that's not a creative act. That's just kind of a you're recreating something that already exists. But if there's if there's risk, then it means you, you might fail. And if you haven't if you haven't left room for the possibility of failure, then then you're not really doing anything yet. And that's yeah. Fine. Um, Maybe I'm using this like a shield, but I have at times thought to myself that because I work in experimental music, that for it to really be experimental, there has to be an actual experiment. Like I have to not be 1000% sure that everything is fine. Yeah. You know? Um, but maybe, but maybe that's me making excuses. I don't think so. I really agree with you on this part. I mean, I, this is something that I've said many times is that noise is not intrinsically experimental like nowadays noise and experimental sometimes get used interchangeably oh yeah and they're totally not but you can make noise that's exactly like noise that's been made for Mm -hmm. 20 years now and you might not be experimenting at all you might not be trying anything or or attempting anything if you're just doing a thing that happens to be very atonal or very harsh that by itself doesn't constitute an experiment. But mm-hmm. I think um, if you're going to call it experimental music, I, I usually look for, okay, well, what are you experimenting with? Like, what are you trying to figure out? What are you attempting that you're not totally sure will yeah. work? You know, and I think one version of that is just there's improvisation. There's like if, if your music has a consist like a, a considerable part that, is improvisation there's always the issue the issue of like well in some rooms you may just not have any good ideas and then that like the part that's improvised <laughs> won't be very good and there's always risk in that right like yeah. uh or it can even be i think even some really straightforward bands that wouldn't call themselves experimental um 
I was just listening to Future Scars on the way over here. Mm-hmm. And, like, they have a bunch of, like, super technical, super tight mm-hmm. rhythmic things where I've played in bands where it's like, if you're going to do that, you are walking a tightrope. And yeah. if you're off by a little bit, it will show. It's yeah. not like you know, four on the floor rock and roll where you can be kind of loose and it sounds good sometimes. Yeah. Like, it's it's tricky. It's all hairpin turns. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And that's not, I don't know if they would call it experimental, but I would just say, like, again, there definitely, there's a risk there. Like, if you're going to play that kind of, like, technical type music, you know that when it comes off, you have achieved something. Like, if you get through a set and nobody fucked up, you've you've done something you know considerable and that already is some that's something again like yeah. whether or not you call it experimental but um so much of what i experiment with though is like handmade tech invention yeah. instruments um and unfortunately one of the things that haunts me when i'm having these like tech failure moments is that i really think when people see like some brown chick get on stage like me having tech problems is more than just like the me failing as okay. one human like I just right. start to feel like the expectation is that I don't know what I'm doing right. and so then when I it seems like I don't or maybe when I actually don't like I just feel all those like social things crashing sure. down around me and so yeah. maybe like it's hard in those moments to think clearly you yeah. know what I mean because yeah. it's just for me, the pressure is high, high, and maybe it's something I'm doing to myself, or I don't know, maybe it's, you know, a lot of experiences all kind of getting built into one compressed moment, you know? Right. But I think there's an expectation that I don't know tech, that I don't know what I'm doing, that I have, you know, tried to make something that is obviously not working, and so <laughs> right. I'm just sucking. Like, you know what I mean? Like, sure. you're just, you're failing in all ways in this moment. But... And, uh, and and then you have to think about the cable chain. You know what I mean? Like, you have to think about in, out, in, out. Like, are all the power supplies plugged in? Like, and it's such a meticulous, sure. yeah. boring thinking that you have to do while all this, like, other intense, giant thinking is happening. Right. It's just yeah. a lot. It's a contrast. Totally. Like, what's required of you is small, and what's happening feels big. Yeah. <laughs> and then... So part of that is, right, like, and it's funny, there are all these parallels between my conversation earlier today with Eliza and what we're talking about. Some of that stuff is you encountering the the shit end of white privilege and male privilege, right? It's because a dude can go out there and if he's having tech problems, he's just having tech problems. And yeah. If, and if you're a dude, most of the time you know that you will not be representing your gender Mm-hmm. when you're out there you're just representing yourself and that's that's classic white male privilege yeah. is that whatever you do you only speak for yourself right like how many white male terrorists do we have in the u.s and yet they're always lone gunmen they're always like yeah uh, the you know just the a, exception yeah he's right. just a wacky crazy dude who went off the rails and he's never he's never and i'm not saying he should be representing his gender or his or his race or whatever but i mean that's the privilege is that you get to just be a nut and then no one says man we got to deal with something of this male violence you know which maybe we should be you know (laughs) know? but that that you know that's not going to happen and that that if you're brown and if you 
if the same shit happened, you know that like, oh fuck, if this person, certainly if they're of any kind of Arabic descent, if there's, if, you know, if they're black, if they're Latinx, it would, all those things will be used mm-hmm. against not just that person, but everybody who looks like that. And so, I mean, what you're describing is just like, that sucks, but of course, like I get it, like that's part of just the shitty environment in which we live that that brown folks are expected to represent all brown folks well (laughs) and that women are supposed to represent all women well Mm -hmm. and I think there is I mean I don't know if you have this experience there's times when I guess for me I catch it more on race where like it's like um I mean I'm half black so like I'm and I'm like not even you know I don't pretend to have the same experience that you know the black half of my family does but there's still when I'm like, don't be the fucking stereotype, man. You're look at, making us all look bad. Like yeah. I'll have that judgmental yeah. thought if if like some a friend or a family member or whatever is doing the like shitty thing that black folks get accused of doing or give part of like the stereotype. Like one time actually I was I met I was on like a date and we were talking and um the woman that I was hanging out with was black and we were talking about some race stuff. And I think something came up about my dad, and like I said, my my dad wasn't around when she was like, "Wait, tell me your mom's black, right?" <laughs> I was like, mm. "No, my dad's black." She's like, "Damn it!" You know, like mm-hmm. like oh, yeah. and she was saying how like that was like a joke that her and her dad always had about like when you hear of that like somebody's dad wasn't around, you're like hoping it's a white guy, you know, <laughs> yeah. just to hope not to be the stereotype. Yeah, like we don't need yeah, any more yeah. of the stereotype bullshit. Yeah. Um, but there's that aspect of it. But I think the thing is, too, is that when you are transgressing spaces that you're not totally welcome in yet. Yeah. Not that I was not welcome at Manny's show. Like, right. Like, the show that I'm talking about, I'm talking maybe, like, a, a little more big picture now. Yeah. But, like, when you're, when you're transgressing spaces where you're still like kind of a new thing, you're a new demographic in that space, you know, you just unfortunately are representing too many things all at once. Even if, I mean, even if you're not the right person for that job, you know what I mean? Like I can think I'd rather send my sister any day. (laughs) Like, (laughs) like well-spoken and kind and doesn't have a bad temper and doesn't throw shoes and like you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> she throw shoes. she's right. like uh well you and monica each have like some overlap but then some very distinct skill sets yeah right and but so, i mean if you're gonna send an emissary like i'm not the right emissary <laughs> like, but like she's I not as uh, maybe i'm wrong but i don't she doesn't get into as much like electronics as you do right no, not to the same degree. She uses a lot of electronics and, and has done like workshops that I've led and yeah. built stuff too. Yeah. yeah. I know that she does stuff too, but I just, I think of her as like, I mean, she's an amazing cellist. She's an amazing piano yeah, player. Yeah. She's, she's, you guys have some stuff that's overlap, but then you, you have your, so I'm just saying there's things where you're, you're the person for the job and she isn't. And there's things where <laughs> oh, she's true, the person true. for the Based job. Based on skill set and yeah. that personality. True. True. Yeah. And I guess that's the thing. Again, I think it's fucked and I'm not defending the fact that like brown folks and women end up end up feeling like they're representing their whole gender or their whole um skin color you know that's fucked but when it does go well like again it goes back to that 
that risk thing, right? Like, because when it does go well, then maybe you shift somebody's perspective who maybe has a limited perspective of what women can do or can't do, Mm -hmm. right? And, like, when I think of the pioneers in our culture, like Shirley Chisholm or, like, and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez or, like, people that are doing shit that isn't normally done by people who look like them, it's that's the other side of it, right? It's like when they kill it, when they like rock it, then a bunch of people go, oh shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, true, oh, okay. I didn't know. Like I just saw that, did you see that movie Green Book? I haven't seen Green Book. I mean, it's not like amazing, but the, the basic premise is pretty rad. It's like just basically about this guy, he's a black pianist who goes around the South playing this kind of like not quite jazz, but like very classically influenced music of his mm-hmm. own that like people that white people in the south can't imagine a black person doing mm. you know and he's i don't know how there's there's a lot of questionable things that i've heard as far as like how true the story is it's hollywood you know don't i don't think it's i think they overemphasize how much it's supposed to be biograph like out like actually true to life i don't know mm-hmm. but either way like that idea of like this black artist putting himself intentionally putting himself uh in spaces where people think that black folks can't do shit and then then playing this incredible music was the hope and it's it's a it's an uphill hope you know it's it's a yeah (laughs) that that somebody might see that and go oh shit like that's my my view was was limited my view was was incorrect Mm -hmm. um and it's fucked. I don't think that black folks or women or anybody should have to do that work. But that's that is what's happening is that we do that work, <laughs> yeah. you know. And that's that's kind of yeah. I don't, I don't just, know how else to go about it, you know. Well, and I mean, I think too that like for me personally, like I mean, I have to be able to get around and through those moments. I have to be able to not think about that stuff when I'm like trying to make a circuit in my studio. Like, I can't right. be sitting there feeling all of that right. all the time. Like, I have to be able just right. to clear my head and think about what it is that I want to make and um, and whatever experiment I'm trying to pull off. Like, there has right. to just be a way, or to just love being on stage. Like, right. I'm sure everyone who told you a story about a terrible show has also played lots of really great ones, and that's why they even bother with it right. in the first place, right? Of course, yeah. Um so you have to be able to like have those times on stage that are that are the times when you feel super alive and like good, you right. know. Totally. And yeah. So cuz that that gets you from from bad show to bad show, right? Right. When it's going well, you don't have to think about your gender or your race or anything you're doing. You just just like be in the moment and feel like feel good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and maybe I think I've said before that even though I play experimental music, much of it without lyrics um, or words, like the best communication, the best expression of me is in like some of these atonal compositions that I've made. Like that is, that is what I'm like. So like if I really want to connect with people and I really want to tell people who I am, like sometimes those are the best, that's the way to do it for me right now. Yeah. And I think the other side of it, right, that um, as somebody who also mostly plays experimental music, occasionally stuff with 
vocals, but uh, when somebody else feels it, even though they don't know you, but somebody, you know, experiences you and says, whoa, like you just, you just expressed me. How the fuck do you do that? <laughs> you know, like I don't mm-hmm. even know you. And yet when you do something that hits a chord with somebody and like makes them feel seen and makes them feel like you've articulated some deep part of themselves, um, whether that's through lyrics or through just sounds or through anything, like that's an incredible moment, right? And like we've, I think everybody on the performer end of it has also been on the audience and where somebody moves you to to feel like that's incredible that 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 you've that you've touched me in some way even though you don't even know me yeah 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 you're like communicating better sometimes without words like we we can say a lot of words and we can have all these ideas and maybe sometimes i can throw all the things we just talked about into a couple of minutes of sound do you know what i mean like Yeah. yeah I think we covered like the whole world. So. <laughs> well, I don't think we left any rocks unturned. There's nothing, nothing left. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, thanks so much for being part of this. Yeah, thank you. This episode of Worst Show Ever was made possible by the Patreon pledges of the one of Fryman, Meg Roberts, Christina Poez, and Evan Quayberg. If you'd like to support this endeavor, please go to patreon.com slash worst show ever.